Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, no matter where you are in the world, and welcome to another Intuitive Customer Podcast with myself, Colin Shaw, and we have uh, my colleague, Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University, who's just told me that he's moved offices or moved desks um, in his house, and uh, I could actually hear him doing it. So how's the move going? Uh, it was, you know, it was a lot of work. It was roughly 30 feet from one room to the other. I'm settling in nicely, though. Good. Uh, You're not going to have one of those BBC. Did you see that BBC thing where the <laughs> guy was being interviewed and his kids came running in and stuff? Colin, I I literally have more children living in my house than some small countries do. That will 100% <laughs> happen at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why you had the steel door put on, wasn't it? <laughs> that's, right, that's right. I'm actually speaking to you from inside a locked bank vault within my house. Yeah. yeah. Some people have panic rooms, but Ryan has a. <laughs> has no, I still call room. it a panic room. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so today, really interesting topic. Um, how do we get customers to talk? How do we get customers to tell us what they really think, and why is it? that they don't um so let me let me sort of position this and this is sort of the classic case um uh, and, and i'm sure we've all done this you, you go into the restaurant you're sitting there at the restaurant maybe the food's taken a bit of time to come out maybe the waiter didn't you know bring you the right drink um and maybe the 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 um you know the, the food's a little cold and then the manager comes along and says how's the meal and you go yeah it's great and you don't really tell him about all those other things that have happened. Um, so why is that, Ryan? What's the what's the reason that we don't tell people exactly what we really think? So, Colin, you're you're better traveled than than I am, and so I'm sure you have been in places around the world where, in fact, people absolutely would have told that manager exactly how things were, um, and the manager probably would have been glad to hear it and you know yep. would have responded fine uh, part of the reason that we don't do that at least in the u.s and in england um is what a, a psychologist and sociologist would call social norms so there are these unwritten rules about how we should behave when we interact with other people and one strong social norm is that we oftentimes don't want to be confrontational um in in our cultures um that's is costly to us in terms of uh, it, it's emotionally difficult. We don't like confronting others. It's, it's costly to us because we know that we're making others uncomfortable. All those things kind of pile up and it, it makes us shut our mouths. Now, there are different social norms for other contexts. So after you've left that restaurant and are talking to your friends um, and one of them mentions wanting to go out to eat, that's a context where the social norms indicate you should be free to express all the negative things about that restaurant experience to these other potential customers, right? So negative word of mouth is often not curbed by social norms, but, you know, delivering it in a context where it could actually be fixed, you know, telling that manager, a lot of times that yeah. is governed by these norms. So is that, is that something that that's the that effectively, so this, I'm, I, 
guess my question's around nature or nurture. So is that something where we don't like conflict because of nature or nurture? No doubt you're going to tell me it's both. Uh, well, that's that's the safe answer. Um, yeah. I'm kind of a coward, so that's usually a direction I go. <laughs> you just um, don't like conflict. That's why I, you don't. <laughs> I don't want to tell you you're wrong, Colin. Um, but <laughs> I, my bet. I mean, the answer is almost always both. Um, anytime that's been studied, I think that in this case it leans a lot more towards nurture. Um, I think that it's really, really strongly culturally influenced. Um, yeah. As I said, there there are places in the world where um, confrontation is not viewed nearly as negatively that's it's just kind of as seen as a normal way of interacting with other people and if there's a problem you let them know um yeah. whereas in in certain cultures it's seen as as being very ta taboo uh, so i think that it leans more towards um kind of acculturation the way that we're we're raised but i i couldn't tell you definitively for sure yeah no and certainly as you say i've i've experienced that i think a couple of times i've experienced the 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 particular the cultural differences have been um so when i do speeches in uh england or in the states i i tend to adopt a style of sort of asking the audience questions questions to get audience participation and all the rest of it um but what I found was when I did that in Asia, nobody wanted to answer <laughs> the questions because the culture there is that they don't sort of stand up and say things in front of people that seem to be um, embarrassing. So I had, had to quickly um, change the change my style there. I, I also think I have to say, and we're probably going a little bit off topic here, but I do think it's a big problem for multinational organizations. Um uh, and that is that they make the assumption that a customer experience they design yeah. in America should be the same customer experience that they deliver in Japan, Thailand, Germany, you know, uh, Argentina. Uh, and that's that is a that's a big mistake. Um, and, yeah. No, I mean, I mean I, the way that you can think about it is um, people are universal in terms of you know, wanting to feel good, wanting to feel respected, um, wanting to be delighted. Uh, but to your point, what makes you feel good? What makes you feel respected? That's going to differ wildly by culture um, and kind of by who you're talking to. So it's absolutely vital to be close to the ground when making those decisions. Yeah. And the um, so I guess the question starts to become so we know what the problem is, you know, uh, i.e. Yeah. that people may not tell you. So how do we get them to tell us these things? So we can uh, approach this from a couple of different directions. Um, we'll start real broadly. I'll, I'll get down to some kind of uh, research techniques towards the end that we can use. And I know that, that you've used some in, in uh, uh, the research that you've done with uh, Beyond Philosophy. But yep. before we get into the specific elicitation techniques, one of the things that that makes people talk um, is when they feel like their opinions are actually being valued. So yep. I, I teach a case um, to my MBA students about a grocery chain uh, in the Northeast in the U.S. called Stu Leonard's. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I would, yeah. Have and they day. are uh, they're they're pretty routinely seen as, as one of the uh, best places to work. Their employees really love them. Uh, they set world records in terms of profitability per square foot in the grocery category. They're just they're very profitable. And right. one of their big 
secrets to success is that they are just constantly soliciting feedback from their customers. And so they have these huge oversized suggestion boxes. They hold focus groups with their customers just constantly. Um, and their customers respond to those because they see changes happening on the floor of the store based on the feedback. So, you know, if I were to complain to my grocer about, you know, some particular bit of produce not being right, you know, they, they might uh, refund me the, the price of, the, of that particular transaction, but they're probably not going to change their business practice because of it. Uh, Stu Leonard's has built their, their company around the idea that this is the cheapest, easiest, best way to get accurate feedback about what the customer actually wants. And so by showing that customer respect, by letting them know that, no, 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 we are absolutely going to listen and respond to information we get back, people are happy to tell them what's wrong with the store and makes them love the store even more. Yeah, and, and just building on that, oftentimes people don't tell them the improvements that they are making. So, yeah. You know, they do lots of surveys and they don't they don't say oh, we've made these changes because of this feedback that you've you know that you've you've given us so sometimes you need to do it overtly that's a, that's a great point and it's it's become kind of a theme for some of the discussions we've had um in, in, things don't matter to customers unless the customers notice them uh, there's a lot that's very transparent to us in management because we were involved in the decision and we see what's going on behind the scenes you know, your customers are busy. They have other stuff going on. And so sometimes you kind of need to beat them over the head with, hey, this is now different and it's better and it's because of what you told us. Those things will encourage people to speak out more. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. The, the one that um, the, what you mentioned, the uh, one uh, from, a, and I'm sure you've got other research techniques, but the one that we've found very useful is um, we call it an emotional signature. And what an emotional signature looks at, one of the key pieces of information it looks at, it looks at um, what drives value. And this is my f- my favorite story, which is when Disney know, when they ask their customers what they want to eat at a theme park, uh, Disney um, people, at, uh, the guests will tell them that they would like to have an option of a salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney also know that people don't eat salads when they go to theme parks. They eat hot mm-hmm. dogs and hamburgers. So the issue becomes, how do you identify the hidden driver of value that either that customers don't know themselves um, or, um, you know, that the social norms will dictate that they shouldn't do it. And we use a process called structured equation modeling that that looks for uh, I won't get into too technical because I'm not that technical, but it looks for the what they call the latent variable, the hidden factor. Uh, and invariably, that's that's that sort of uh, uh, emotion uh, of how the customer's feeling. Um, and it absolutely um, what we found is it drives different uh, results. So whereas typically a client would say to us, yes, the thing that, the, that our customers want most of all 
is uh, price or whatever it may be. Um, it's ne that's never been the case. Uh, it's always more about the feelings of making me feel important or making me feel valued or or whatever. Uh, those things drive more than you know any of the product features or the price or the delivery or whatever else that they may have. That's great. So the uh, what you're describing, Colin, is a way of taking data from customers and then essentially using a, a statistical technique, a type of model to find out what are the what are the hidden drivers, kind of what's underneath the answers yeah. that they're giving. And and structural equation modeling goes back decades. It's a very well um, well validated technique for doing that for for identifying these latent constructs or these underlying variables. Um, another approach for doing something similar in a very different way uh, are a set of research techniques that are, are known as projective techniques. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, the, yeah. and the idea here is that uh, if I'm inhibited by my social norms, I don't want to tell you what's wrong yeah. with something um, because that might hurt your feelings or because I'd be embarrassed or whatever it is. Sometimes you can ask people indirect questions uh, that will get at the same idea. So, yeah. um one of the, the very famous examples of this actually comes from um, a paper that was published in 1950. So it goes back a long ways. Um, and uh, the researcher was interested in customers' perceptions of Nescafe instant coffee. But instead of just asking people, so what do you think about Nescafe? In which case, you'd probably get a lot of rational answers about, oh, you know, it tastes whatever, kind of bitter or relative to other coffees, or maybe it's like too expensive Instead, he, he gave a group of uh, women, housewives, as, as was the term of art in the 1950s, yeah. um, he asked them to look at a shopping list and to tell him about the woman who wrote the shopping list. So, um, yeah. you know, th this was a very yeah. indirect technique. You're just telling me about this person based on like yeah. an eight item shopping list. Yeah. And two groups of people did this, two groups of women, uh, one group the the shopping lists were exactly the same except for one item in one group it was nescafe instant coffee and the other it was um i think uh maxwell house or folgers it was a, a traditional coffee yep. brand. and he just looked at the responses uh talking about this person so not even talking about the brand just who is this person um and what came out was that the the instant coffee buyer uh, was seen as uh, uh, lazy and spendthrift and a bad wife. Like that came out like almost 50% of the wow. respondents said that she was a bad wife. These are things that people wouldn't answer directly about the brand. But when you yeah. ask them indirectly, um, yeah. you know, uh, about this other person or what would the average person think? Not what you think, but what would the average person think? Uh, um, you know, tell me about an animal that this brand represents. All right. Well, yeah. now describe why is that animal? Uh, these things that you can do that, that kind of remove people a little bit from the actual question you want resolved. Uh, yeah. Sometimes that'll free them up and they can answer. Yeah. And um, I don't think I've, I've told you, but we've we actually have used that technique ourselves. Um, so what we do and again, uh, this works really well. So building exactly what you're saying. But yeah do is we get load of magazines yeah uh, yep. and um we throw the magazines on the table in front of the for the, you know with the, with the customers and we would say so look at this experience now uh think about which image in this magazine you know which best describes 
what this is this experience is like so they then leap through and rip out the 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 image and then you obviously get them to explain what the image is and why they said that uh but yeah no it works works really really well in in getting under the skin um and and talking about skin the, the analogy that i always have is this is a bit like it's a bit like an onion um in fact um about five years ago um my unfortunately my dog died uh and we were in america at the time and uh, this is the family dog it was back in england so we ended up flying back to england um to have the dog put down um because she got a brain tumor and stuff anyway long and short of it was on the way back everyone was saying to me you know oh have a good day how's your day been and i'm obviously not very happy to say the least <laughs> uh, and they're still asking me but i'm going yeah i'm fine thanks you know yes it's been yeah. great thanks yeah. um so the onion is you got to get below the surface and it's techniques like that projectives that can really get below the surface and you start peeling back the layers of the onion to get to the core um and you can only do that sometimes by just literally sitting down and talking with customers for a for an extended an extended period yeah yeah I, I'll, I'll tell you one more um projective technique because this one also has to do with dogs and it's a happier story so that we'll, we'll kind of yeah. book in that uh, yeah. i'm just about um, to go up and cry for a moment I'll be yeah i was going to say we can take a minute if you need to but, um, <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, we've, we've all been in those situations. I mean, you and, you and I, Colin, have worked with, um, an insurance company where, you know, the, the call center, uh, deals with people who are, you know, having questions about, uh, about their health insurance. These are people who are going through some often really trying and emotional yeah. times. And so the, this insurer and, and, and in a lot of firms who are, are, like that who are dealing with very emotional customers you know you need to train your employees to uh to be able to to react to that and understand it but but my happy dog story first so uh this is a story i heard from um uh, a professor named john sherry who's at uh, uh university of notre dame now um and he does a lot of these projective techniques uh, uh he had a, a group of researchers who were investigating um dog food. And so he sent them out and they were talking to people in their homes about the dog's food that they that they used and um, why they used it and you know all these kinds of things. And so they came back and reported to John and and uh, reported what they found and he said, "Okay, that's great. Now go back to those houses, go back to those families and interview the dog." All right. And so he said they sent these people back out there with video recorders and and um audio recorders. And they'd get down on the floor on all fours <laughs> and ask the dogs questions about the dog food. And what happened was the owners would start answering for the dog <laughs> in the dog's voice. And so, Tell me, Sparky, uh, you know, why do you like Purina dog chow? You know, and they'd, they'd start answering in Scooby-Doo voices about how delicious it was. <laughs> It was a fantastic projective technique because um, yeah. it broke down those barriers. It asked in this very indirect way. Uh, so what happens if you've got a pet tarantula? <laughs> <laughs> then you, you don't want to sell to those people. They're not your customers. Find yeah. a different target. That's I'm just not... trying to think of what a pet tarantula's voice would be. That's all. <laughs> or what they probably... eat. I yeah. assume they eat small, smaller people. Uh, it's yeah. just yeah, in yeah. my nightmares. It's... 
Yeah, that's why I'm I'm um, I'm glad I'm a large person, so I don't get eaten by a tarantula. <laughs> it's just all about self-defense, you know. At some yeah. point, self-defense. The intuitive customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. So what's the answer? How do yeah. you get customers to talk? Um, so first of all, it's about recognizing that what a customer tells you is not actually necessarily what they're thinking. Um, so you can't always just, uh, and this is, I always think, the irony of customer experience. You can't always just take what the customer tells you uh, as to be fact. Um, and therefore, if they recognize things, as Ryan was saying, then uh, if you can turn around to them and say, you know, we're making these changes because you have told us these things and you do that overtly, that will encourage uh, even more feedback. And and two techniques that definitely are worthwhile, in fact, three techniques, I think, that, that are there that we talked about. One was um, uh, going into the stats, structured equation modeling and the emotional signature, that type of stuff to, to prove it through the math, um, what, what's actually happening. And that 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 can be very good because particularly with with senior people in the organization, they like statistics. Um, the projective stuff is is great, um, and I can attest to that. Again, it uh, really works. And you know, in depth interviews, really spending some time talking to customers, getting into the detail. Um, and and maybe the, um, the last one we should add in is talking to dogs in dog language. Maybe is, a, uh, is another way through. A anything else, Ryan, from your side? You think of on how to get customers to talk? Uh, I mean, real briefly, I think you can think of kind of the opposite side of the projective research technique, um, which is training your employees to recognize nonverbal signals, right? Yep. So, um, you know, if, if your waiter or manager observes people at the table before walking over, it, it might be pretty clear that they're not very happy with the meal, uh, regardless of what they say. And so um, if you can train employees on things to look for, things to listen for, um, you know, to Colin's point, we tend to be inhibited uh, in terms of delivering negative in information. It's also really hard for us to hide that though, um, yeah. in terms of our facial characteristics, our body language, all those kinds of things. Yeah, and in fact, just one last story before we leave. Uh, I always remember doing some work with a retailer um, and we discovered basically that after two minutes of a customer being in the store, they didn't really want to be talked to for a couple of minutes, but then they used to start doing what, what we called the prairie dog, which is, you know, looking around for the, for the assistant, um, mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, uh, putting their head up and, you know, and if they didn't find one, then they'd walk out basically. So yeah. absolutely, you know, that I guess is a bit more obvious, but absolutely the, the, the hidden clues, um, uh, let me correct you. That should have been more obvious. Um, and it's yes. not clear that it is obvious as maybe it should be. Anyway, no, I, I agree with that as well. Yeah, no, but I, those subtle signs, I think, are, are key as well. Good. Well, I hope um, hope this has been useful to you. <clears throat> and we look forward to hearing um, um, you joining us on the next episode. 
Um, uh, if you like what you're hearing, then please leave a review. That would be really helpful. Um, and if you really like it, let other people know we're trying to build this database or we're trying to build the subscriptions up, as you can well imagine. Um, we've had some really nice comments from people about um, um, the um, uh, uh, what we're doing. And that really ties into how to get customers to talk. So tell us what you think. Um, <laughs> we do you, care. We, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll even send you a picture of a dog talking to, um, talking to a human being, if you like. So anyway. As All long right. as it's just a picture, we'll say it's actually a talking dog. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'll just send a tape recording at the back of it or something. <laughs> okay. So thanks very much for joining us and um, uh, good luck in building a great customer experience. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on the Intuitive Customer. <laughs>